I'm, I'm not sure why I brought this up here because I actually looked at it a little bit the first service. Last service, I really didn't even look at it, but um, we'll let Holy Spirit lead and direct everything that goes on today. Um, and he has been faithful. You know, already today we've seen new people added to the kingdom of God. Um, so guess what? We've got victory. And that's what it's all about. You know, we're in this season, uh, this series, Building and Battling, and it starts from Nehemiah. And it talks about Nehemiah building the wall. The wall around Jerusalem had been destroyed, destructed. And he felt called to rebuild. And, um, you know, in our world right now, we see a lot of destruction. Our world is destroyed. You don't have to look far. Um, we've got a pagan festival right here in Loveland. The, the, the powers of darkness have invaded our world while we've been just watching them. Pastor Aaron was sharing a picture with me earlier of a person that's been appointed um, with Zelensky's um, cabinets in, in Ukraine. And... Uh, an outspoken Satanist, pictures of uh, satanic ritual abuse that she's been involved in, and um, that there is destruction that's taken place. And um, with that, there's some rebuilding that needs to be done. So two weeks ago, Pastor Aaron talked about building together and how that starts with discipleship and relationship. And he pointed out there's a difference between religion which is coming to church and trying to learn all the rules and figure out how we're supposed to behave in relationship, which is knowing who we are, coming together, building each other up, and reminding each other who we are. And it's a devotion. It's something that we do on a regular basis. Last week, Pastor Rick talked about battling together. And if you look at uh, the latter part of uh, Nehemiah 6, coming down to about verse 8 or 9, and it says... Then I sent to him saying, this is Nehemiah responding, no such things as you say have been done. He was being accused of trying to rebuild this, this wall so that he could become king. And he said, for you are inventing them out of your mind, for they all wanted to frighten us thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen their hands. So there's a rebuilding that's got to take place, but there's a battle for that rebuilding. Because the enemy doesn't want that to happen. The enemy has been working hard for a long time to gain the ground that he has. And we're going to talk about how he's done that. And we're going to talk about how as we take and we come to recognize we need to build and we need to battle together, that we're going to see victory take place. We're going to have miracles happen, just like Nehemiah saw. So the title today is Building and Battling. You, all of you, are made for the impossible and you're made for the battle. And so, again, I've got notes. I'm not sure how much I'm going to follow those, but I would just want to open with a word of prayer. Say, Holy Spirit, I just thank you for being in this place. I thank you that your presence has been so intense, so heavy this morning. I thank you for the work that you've already done and the work that is about to be unleashed as we come and we just open our hearts and our ears to the words you want to speak. And we give you praise for who you are. It's in Christ that I pray. Amen. So, yeah, it's kind of funny, Is about three weeks ago, I guess, oh, I just lost my whole thing altogether, um, Pastor Aaron came up to me and said, hey, we've got, you know, our, once a month we have a leadership training thing here for the, the leadership teams, the pastors and so forth, and Pastor Aaron does that, he is such, does such a great job because he is a gifted leader, he's great at imparting leadership qualities into all of us, and I look forward to it every, every month. 
And so he asked me a few weeks ago and said, hey, would you be willing to do that? And um, the first thing that came to my mind was that of all of the people on our leadership team, I'm probably the least qualified to talk about being a leader and building a leadership team. But I remembered what I said to Pastor Aaron almost three years ago when my wife and I decided that City Point was going to be our home church. And I said, I don't know what the, the question is, but my answer is yes. That I'm here to be plugged in. I'm here to be used. I don't know, you know what my gifts and talents are, but you know what? I've got a physical body and I'll be here to do what you want me to do. So of course my answer had to be yes. And um, so I said, well, what do you want me to talk about? And he goes, whatever Holy Spirit puts on your heart. And um, so I kind of gulped and said, all right, Holy Spirit, this is on you. And Holy Spirit gave me two words. He didn't give me two sentences. He didn't give me two phrases. He gave me two words. And the first word is identity. And I thought, Lord, I've heard that word a lot. And he goes, yeah, well, when you get that, we can stop talking about it. Because identity is critical. In fact, if we look at um, psychology today, it says identity is one's sense of self. How do you see yourself? That's your identity. Um, according to Wikipedia, it says that the beliefs that shape our identity are in our subconscious, and it's shaped in the first seven years of our life. So what happens is we get these beliefs that come into our subconscious, pass all of the filters of our, of our conscious mind, and that helps us to filter everything that we see and hear in our world. And most of those are established before we're seven. Which means, guess what? Some of those may not be completely accurate. But that doesn't matter. They're irrational. So we filter things through that. Um, it goes on to say that um, our identity determines how we see life and how we live. And so we can have a distorted perception of how we see ourselves and how we live because of some beliefs that have been set into our subconscious in our early age. And Caroline Leaf talks about this. She says that in order to change those beliefs, if we want to have a better belief than what's in our subconscious that was just programmed into there, it takes intentionality and it takes repetition to change that. And so, um, Brexton, can you put up the, the picture of the, yeah, so this is what our identity does for us. How do we see ourselves? So when Pastor Aaron said, hey, would you take what you just taught to our leadership team and preach it Sunday, I'm kind of going, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at teaching, but this preaching thing I'm not sure about. So I kind of felt like that little kitten up there. But then I remembered that my answer was yes. So I showed up and Holy Spirit said, yes, there's a lion inside of you and you've got a word that needs to come out. And sometimes it takes some obedience to step into that when we don't feel like it. And then that's when we start to see that identity show up. Um, but it really makes a difference on how we see ourselves. I read a book years ago by uh, this guy, Jim Fannin, who was Tiger Woods' performance coach. And he worked with Derek Jeter and some pretty other influential people, people that, that did big things. This guy started off coaching tennis to little kids in Chicago. And so he said he, he talked about how he had these kids in his tennis camp. And he said, okay, I want all the fast kids over here and I want all the slow kids over here. And then he had guys with stopwatches, and they would time these kids running a 20-yard dash. And what he noticed was there was actually quite a few kids in this slow group 
that were faster than the kids in the fast group. So he paired them up, and he had them race head to head. And what he noticed was that the fast kids in the slow group started off, and they were smoking the slow kids from the fast group. You guys with me still? But something happened along the way, and things shifted, and either the, the person who saw themselves as slow was out in front and was going, wait, this isn't me, and they would find a way to slow down or they would sabotage their progress, or the person who saw themselves as fast and saw somebody else in front of them found another gear and took off. How important is our identity to how we perform, to the race that we have in front of us, and whether we're going to see victory or whether we're not? And so last week, Pastor Rick talked about... Uh, he actually referred to Joyce Meyer's book, The Battlefield of the Mind. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning there's a, there's a battle going on for your mind. And it's been going on for a long, long time. And I'm going to basically say that our culture, our culture has been working on affecting our identity for a long time. And psychologists tell us that if we can come to a place of confusion or fear, that we're easily manipulated. They can get us to kind of do whatever they want. And so I was thinking about this. Does anybody remember back in the, in the old days in school when there was like talks of nuclear bombs being set off and that kind of stuff? And so what we were told is that we needed to put our head under our desk and that that would protect us from that nuclear holocaust, right? Anybody remember that besides me? So guess what? We believed them because there was something to fear, but then there was a solution. So we believed them. Well, then we fast forward to 2019, 2020, and we have this, whatever you want to call it. I, I would probably call it a pandemic that comes along. And we're, we're told that there's this little tiny microscopic virus that we should be really, really, really afraid of, that it's going to decimate humanity. But wait, there are some authorities here that will tell us how to navigate this safely. So we're going to put this thing over our face to keep that little microscopic thing from getting into us that would kill us. And if you look at it rationally, it's kind of like saying, I'm going to set up a chain link fence to keep mosquitoes from getting into my yard. I mean, it really is, it's, it's that insane. But because we were so afraid, we believed it. In fact, there was a guy during that time that wrote an article called The Covidian Cult. And he had studied cults for a long time. He found out that if you can cause somebody to be confused, if you can cause somebody to be fearful, you can manipulate them. And if you establish yourself as the authority with the solution, you can get them to do what you want. Guess what? We've just witnessed the largest cult of all time. That we were introduced to something we should be afraid of. We were confused because we didn't know if it was this variant or that one or if it was coming from here or there. Did it come from a lab? Did it come from a We were confused. We were told to be afraid. No, be very afraid. But guess what? We got authorities. And if you follow these solutions, then you'll be safe. Well, here's the difference between a cult and something that talks the truth. Because the same thing happens in our world is that when we come into this world and we've got confusion, we've got fears, and we walk into a place where truth is being spoken, then we're going to be drawn into it and that truth is going to set us free. 
Well, how can people in cults aren't set free? Because they're not being introduced to the truth. They're being introduced to lies. And how do you keep somebody in there? You keep introducing confusion. You keep introducing fear. So what have we noticed? Definitions change. Goalposts change. Authorities change. The advice changes. And so we basically are just in this place of confusion and fear, and we don't even know who we are. And so because of this, because of us seeing ourselves as weak, we act as if we're weak. We're that little kitten. That's the way we live our lives. And because we're weak, we got to avoid anything that's hard. Right? You see that little easy button? Just want to hit that easy button for everything that we want to do. We want life to be easy. In fact, in our world, if our life is easy, that's success. Right? What's, what's the ultimate goal of success? Retire early. Right? Work for a while, save up a bunch of money so that on your own resources, you can kick back and relax the rest of your life. Well, guess what? There's a battle that's going on. And that battle is for souls. It's for people's lives. And when we're kicking back, we're complacent, we're comfortable, people are dying. People are dying eternally, separated from the love of the Father. And so I came across this quote by uh, G. Michael Hoff. It says, hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. We're in hard times right now because we've embraced weakness. We see ourselves as weak. We're fragile. We're going to avoid conflict. We're going to avoid chaos, disorder, any kind of stress at any cost because it might break us. And we're going to do everything we can to get comfortable. And if we're not comfortable, if we do have some of that stuff that's going on, right, if we do feel pressure, if we do have some challenges in front of us, as a church, what do we do? We call Pastor Vivian and say, hey, put me on the prayer chain because I'm dealing with a hard thing right now and I just want God to set me free from any kind of pain or discomfort or challenge or hardship. And I want my life to be easy again. I'm guilty of this. I've been on that prayer chain. But guess what? That's not the way we're called to live. We're told that we're going to have difficult times. In this world, there will be difficulties. But Jesus has overcome that. So there's a battle that's going on for our mind. And we can call it culture. Culture's been working on it for a long time. But I'd like to propose to you that there's one enemy of our soul. And he uses our culture, right? I look around right now and I see you know, this, this pagan festival and the people that are trying to, to influence the world in our town for darkness. I look at our political systems. I look at the darkness. I look at this Satanist that's now involved in leadership in Ukraine. And we've got those all over our country as well. And it's easy to make them the villain, to make them the enemy. Guess what? They're the puppet on the string that the devil is using. And that those puppets on the string that we've made the enemy, Jesus spilled his blood for. He poured out his blood for their soul, just like he did for you and me. And, and he's brought me to a point of having to repent. Because, you know, this, this COVID season, it, it cost me and my family a lot. It was a painful, hard time. 
and I wanted righteousness. I wanted justice. I wanted things to t- be turned around so that, that justice would prevail. I wanted those that worked against us to come crashing down. Burn in hell, Lord. Let them burn in hell for what they've done. And I've had to come to a place of repentance. It says, God, let them know the love of Father. Let them know. So there's a battle that's going on. And it's an urgent battle. It's one where we need to become strong and powerful so we can fight the battle. But we need to fight it from a heart of love. Because here's what that looks like. If we're fighting from a place of just being ticked off and wanting vengeance, things have to get really bad before it gets to the point to where we're going to get out of our comfort zone to do that. But when we're coming from a heart of love, it's going to stir up a compassion in us that will not let us step back when we see somebody that that needs to know God. You know, compassion means an urgent rush to save. If we see whatever face it is as one that doesn't know the voice of their loving father, we're going to have this this stirring up in our hearts that's going to say, I've got to get in there. I've got to take and bring the truth to them. I've got to get out of my comfort zone and move into that. But we have to see ourselves differently. We have to see ourselves as strong. So I want to let you know, it's the enemy that's been coming after identity. He's fighting this battle so we don't know who we are. And it's been his same strategy all along. It's nothing new. Anybody remember the Garden of Eden story? There's a couple of people, Adam and Eve. It's like, dang those people anyway, right? Well, think about that is that it said that God created man in his image. In his image, we are created, and he was pleased. In his image, what does that mean? We've got the likeness of God. We've got his DNA. We've got his breath inside of us. We're like God. And so this deceiver comes along with this temptation that says, hey, you know what? If you just take a bite of this thing, you can be like God. Why would if we're like God want to take something that's going to make us like God? Because we forgot our identity. We forgot who we are. Jesus gets baptized, comes up out of the water. Holy Spirit descends upon him, rests on him like a dove. And the voice from heaven says, that's my boy right there. That's my beloved son with whom I'm pleased. Holy Spirit takes Jesus in the wilderness. He's out there for a while. This liar, this deceiver comes to him and says, yeah, you know what? If you really are the son of God, and he tempts him. And notice that as he was saying this, challenging his identity, he left out the word beloved. Because that's a critical part of our identity. Right? If we remember that we're loved and that our identity is anchored in that love and that love is eternal, then guess what? We're secure. We're stable. We're not going to be easily tempted. We'll be able to recognize the lie in the seat and to stand against us. So our identity is critical enough that the enemy is using every weapon in his arsenal to come against that identity. So guess what? There's a battle that's going on. But I'm here to tell you that it's a battle that we need to win. And we're going to talk about what that looks like. Um, John 10.10, there's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And guess what? His, His primary tool is our identity. But Jesus, 
says, I came to give you life and life to the full. He came to give us life and life to the full. What does that mean? Well, I looked up life to the full in Strong's, and so the Greek word is parisos. And so think about this. Our identity is that we've got you know, this limiting thing. We're weak. We're like a little kitten. Here's what parisos is. You're more, greater, excessive, abundant, exceedingly, vehemently, preeminence, and advantaged. That beyond what we can even expect or imagine, that's our identity. That's what Jesus came to reveal to us. And so I look at it this way. If, if Jesus paid the price that he did to give us this identity, what does it mean when we leave it there? if we don't take and do everything we can to embrace that. You know, he wants us to know that he's come to give us life and life to the full. And it doesn't look like what our culture wants us to think. God's going to provide every need we have. But he didn't call us into a place of comfort so we can kick back and relax. He called us to be mighty men and women for the kingdom, to take back everything that the enemy has taken. So the first word he gave me was identity. The second word he gave me was anti-fragile. And uh, this really isn't, actually it is a word now. It wasn't a word, but it is now and it's been added to the dictionary. But uh, several years ago, a guy by the name of Nassim Taleb wrote a book called Anti-Fragile. And uh, during COVID, when I was non-essential, I had some time to read, so I read that. And it talks about how our culture has caused us yeah, I, I feel more essential now, hopefully. My identity has been restored. Um, I can boldly say as a former chiropractor that my new identity is even better, um, better than ever before. Um, but he talked about how we've been convinced to see everything in life as fragile. Your ecosystem is fragile. Climate change, oh my gosh, right? It's fragile. We've got our whole environment is fragile. We've got our uh, economy. We've got our political system, education system. We see ourselves as fragile. Fragile, let's look up the word fragile. Easily broken, damaged or destroyed, lacking physical or emotional strength, delicate. Does anybody see themselves as fragile? Anybody in here see themselves as easily broken? Yeah, I feel like right now somebody sees themselves as damaged goods. And I'm here to tell you that that's your old identity. It's done. You're no longer damaged. You're not fragile. Um, destroyed. Lacking physical or emotional strength. You're not fragile. That's not you. You are mighty men and women of the kingdom. So anti-fragile, what does that even mean? So this guy, Taleb, who wrote this book, he was a linguist. He knew a lot of different languages, and he was processing through this, and he realized that not only are we not fragile, but we actually get stronger through stress. And so he was looking for a word to describe that. In all of the languages he knew, he couldn't find anything that said we get stronger through stress. So we think of the opposite of fragile, and we'll think of things like strong or resilient or robust. But those things just mean we can withstand some stress. Anti-fragile means we get stronger through stress. So guess what? A culture tells us to avoid stress because what? It's there to steal, kill, and destroy our identity. 
We're told to embrace it so that we can become strong and know who we are, so we can have victory because we're anti-fragile. So here's some examples of anti-fragile. Actually, I'm gonna, probably one of the best examples is our own, very own Pastor Rick. Let's, let's hear it for Pastor Rick. So for those of you that don't know, he just celebrated his 40th birthday this week. And you know, it's again, kind of in the, the fragile mindset of our culture, we think, oh, 40, Oof. it's all downhill from here. And, and we embrace that mindset. So guess what we experience? That oftentimes we do. We start to see that our strength, our energy, our vigor, our, our passion, our purpose starts to decline. I'm here to tell you that's a lie. That's a lie. We're created to be strong, courageous, and bold our entire life. So here's what anti-fragile looks like. Pastor Rick reached out to me and said, hey, you know what? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like I'm in the best shape of my life. So for my birthday, I'm going to do a workout. And uh, he called it the filthy 40. So what he did was he intentionally chose to do something hard to get out of his comfort zone and to push himself, to apply pressure to his physical body to make himself strong. And I'm gonna describe to you what he did, but I just found out a few minutes ago that the day he woke up to do this on his birthday, his hips were hurting. He was feeling just tired and kind of a little bit worn out. And his flesh said, maybe you don't want to do that. Has anybody's flesh ever said that to them? You know, I know that you're going to get up and go to the gym this morning, but maybe just a few minutes in bed is going to be what you need. Man, we hear those voices all the time. And I'm here to tell you, that voice is there to steal, kill, and destroy. Has anybody ever gone to the gym and finished their workout and at the end said, dang, I wish I hadn't done that? No, we do it because we know that we get stronger when we get pressed. So here's his workout, the filthy 40. I love that he just even said, I'm going to embrace the suck of this thing on purpose. <laughs> so celebrating his 40th, he, uh, in under 40 minutes, this was his goal. He was going to do 40 squats, 40 push-ups, 40 jump pull-ups, 40 box jumps, 40 burpees with push-ups, 40 lunges, 40 kettlebell swings, 40 dumbbell deadlifts, 40 wall balls, 40 knee-ups, and 40 jump ropes. Man, that's stressful, and guess what? He finished it in 39 minutes and one second. And the cool thing is, is guess what? He sent me a text celebrating that he had done that. Because you know what? When we embrace the suck, when we do something hard, when we get outside of our comfort zone, that's where we grow. Right? When, we, when he was doing his exercises, breaking down those muscles, they were screaming at him, telling him to stop. He's, what was your, say your heart rate was like 168 or something like that, heart beating out of his chest. You get up the next morning, you'd be stiff and sore and tight and achy, right? Because you've broken down muscle. But when that heals, it heals stronger than it was before. That breakdown comes back better. Anybody here ever broken a bone? Yeah, you break your bone and a callus forms on that bone and it's stronger than it was before. Has anybody ever been sick? Had a cold? Had any other kind of sickness and disease? Guess what? By his stripes were healed. So take and claim healing for everything in Jesus' name. But you guys realize that sometimes that healing process is a little bit painful and uncomfortable. And we kind of have to embrace the suck of it. What does healing from a cold look like? 
It can look like fever, mucus, body aches, lethargy. Just it's, You feel miserable, right? We get on the prayer chain. I feel crappy. Please pray that I feel better. Well, how about if we prayed, man, my body's healing. Accelerate the healing and let it go deep. Right? There was story after story of people through COVID that would get hit down hard. And I'm convinced that part of the reason COVID hit as hard as it did was because we believed that it was going to. But some people were knocked down two, three, four, five, six weeks in bed, suffering, body aches, fevers, mucus, coughing, hacking, everything that was going on. And I'm here to tell you that when that's going on, your body's not just healing from the germ of the day. And we don't need to know the name of the germ of the day. We don't need to know those things. It's healing because that's what God created to do. And people came out of that and they, they went to the doctor afterwards and the doctor said, you know that autoimmune disease you had before? It's gone. Cancer that was gone. Because we're made to heal and we, sometimes we have to embrace the suck of that. Sometimes, praise God, and I've experienced numerous times where the power comes on and I get supernatural healing. But guess what? We also are capable of natural healing. And we embrace that until the supernatural shows up. And I don't want to take the th way of the thunder of your DNA that's coming up in two weeks, but this Saturday is going to be the um, healthy habits. And it comes with cultivating a lifestyle of healthy habits that so we get to take and really embrace this and see it come to pass. So don't miss that one. That's going to be a good one. I hear the guy that teaches it is awesome. Um, there we go. How about this? This is really a powerful one. I think somebody needs to hear this one as well, is that Taleb, in his book, he talks about for every person that came back from, from a major crisis experience, they'd seen emotional stuff, people that were like combat veterans that would come back from being um, you know, overseas and in a battle situation that experienced post-traumatic stress disorder. For every one of those, there's somebody that's come back and ex has experienced post-traumatic growth. What does that look like? That means that somebody has seen the same situation Lives being taken, depravity, darkness, evil. And instead of coming back and going, now I'm crippled emotionally and I have nightmares. And I'm not, I'm not downplaying that. That's real. But for every person that experiences that comes back and says, man, I've seen that this world needs God. It needs a savior. It needs deliverance. It needs love to come into that. I've seen some really bad things and it's changed my heart so I have compassion. It's given me empathy. It's given me the ability to, to, to be strong through the difficult times emotionally. And guess what? What we experience comes back to what we expect. So we need to have better expectations and it starts with understanding who we are and that that includes anti-fragility as part of that identity. So how does that apply to us? Well, if we go to James... Um, chapter one, and uh, it's called Jacob in the Passion Translation, by the way, if you've got uh, Passion Translation. But it says this, my fellow believers, that's us, when it, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy you can. When it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, does anybody... Relate to that? You got some difficulties right now? See it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy you can. Woohoo! This is awesome. 
This is great. That's totally against our nature, right? It, it takes the determined mindset to take and embrace that. It says, for you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up in you the power of endurance. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. So I'm getting this right now that there's people right now that are in pain. There's people right now that, that have sickness and disease. There are people right now in this place that are emotionally broken in your dark place. And I'm here to tell you that if you can take and you can see this, what you're going through, your challenge right now as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can, that here's the promise. It's going to release perfection into every part of your being. Every part of your being. A few months ago, Pastor Aaron did a series called Cultivating Healthy Habits, and he talked about how God wants us to be whole. Spirit, soul, and body. That's what this means. It'll release perfection into every part of our being. We'll have that wholeness with nothing missing, nothing lacking. So everybody that's, that's suffering in some way this morning, Go to that place of gratitude. Lord, thank you for your truth. That's what I'm going to focus on. And that's what, it, that's what it's going to require from us. So our, our takeaways from this is that our beliefs are shaped by what we hear, what we read, who we listen to. I heard recently that there's over 9,000 voices that come at us every single day to get our attention and our affection, all the noise that's in our world right now. And guess what? I would say that probably... 90% of those are going to be negative to instill confusion and fear. But there is one still small voice. And we need to, with determination, fix our mind on that voice. We need to recognize that we only grow when we get outside of our comfort zone. And I'm here to tell you that we need to intentionally embrace discomfort on purpose. Um, find something this week to get you out of your comfort zone. You know, something I started doing about seven or eight years ago was taking a cold shower. You know, that's getting outside of your comfort zone. Nice, cozy, warm bed, jumping right into a cold shower. Tons of health benefits, by the way, but it's embracing discomfort. It's a shock to the system. But guess what? Anything that's going to bring us benefits is going to require us to shock what's going on, get out of our comfort zone. That's what we need to do. Um, so I want to kind of wrap up with this. What are you intentionally, deliberately, repetitively listening to? This is how we change that subconscious. This is how we change the beliefs and change our identity. And so if we go to Joshua 1.8, Joshua 1.8, this book of the law, this instruction manual on how to live a godly life shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe and do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you shall deal wisely and have good success. This book of instruction shall not depart from your mouth. You shall focus your attention on this day and night. Meditate on it. Meditate means to rehearse it over and over and over and over again in your brain. Even muttering is one of the words that's used for that, which means speak it out. There's power to our voice. 
what was it, two weeks ago you talked about we're in the decade of the mouth on the Hebrew calendar. That's the power of declaration and what we speak. If we speak the truth of this word, it gets into our head. It gets into our subconscious. It starts to change us from the inside out. This book of instruction shall not depart from my mouth, but I will meditate in it over and over and over again, day and night. I'll do it in the daytime when it's bright and everything's fine. I'll do it in the nighttime when it's dark and everything is scary. And I'm going to do it until I observe to do according to all that's written in it. If you do this enough, you see yourself in your mind's eye, you visualize yourself living the life that God instructed us to live, it happens. We, we observe to do according to all that's written in it. And then it happens. It's not a willpower. It's not us trying to make ourselves right. We can't do that. But it's getting it into us that this has gone into us enough that it's changed our belief system. And we know our identity because this is who we're supposed to be. So guess what it tells us is that we're going to have prosperity. What does that mean? We get to experience increase, growth. We get to see abundance in everything that we do. And we get to have good success. That's better than kicking back on a beach, watching the world go to hell. It's having an impact where we're seeing lives changed. And we're seeing battles won for the kingdom of God. In fact, the very next verse, Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and vigorous and very courageous. Do not be afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We're a battle. We need to know our identity, and we need to take and step into it. We need to have a heart of compassion that says, I will no longer sit comfortably in my pew, but I will get up, and I will step out, and I will let my voice be heard. There is a truth that is going to set people free, and this is it. Oh, I did it. I feel like I've arrived. It's like I've watched every other pastor knock this thing off. It's like, whoo, all right, I'm getting there. Um, but again, we're here to battle. We're here to contend. We're here to save lives. And here's what it looks like. Ephesians 6:12 says, For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. That sounds scary. If you're a kitten, if you're a lion, that's a challenge. That's a bring it on. You guys are lions. You guys are mighty men and women of the kingdom of God that are created for this. And here's how we do that. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6 tells us this. For though we walk or we live in the flesh, we're not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. That's the demonic realm. It's mighty for the overthrow and the destructions of strongholds. Insomuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. Every proud and lofty thing. You know, we just have gotten through the Pride Month, right? Do you think there's some proud and lofty things that are standing up against the truth of God? Man, we've got the weapons to destroy those. And it says, and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, being in readiness to punish every insubordinate for his disobedience when your own submission and obedience as a church are fully secured and complete. And we're at war, 
but I see a mighty army in front of us. I see that there's a pagan festival going on in Loveland today, but I see that we are stepping out of this place and we are carrying light into the darkness and we're seeing transformation take place. That we walk in such power and authority that where we go, every power of enemy trembles and flees because we have the power of God and we know who we are. We know what we operate in. And it comes by us determinately, repetitively, digging into the word and letting it get into us and listening to the Father's voice that right now, you are the beloved sons and daughters of God. He's so proud of you. He's so pleased with you. And we just need to know that, we need to own that. And then any temptation of the enemy is gonna be meaningless, powerless toward us. You know, you're not fragile. You guys are anti-fragile. You're more powerful than you know. Every challenge you're currently going through, hallelujah, guess what it's creating? You'll be lacking nothing, perfect in all things. And it's, it, it happens by staying plugged in, plugged into his word, plugged into this community so that we continue to grow. You know, in closing, as I, as I land this thing, there may be some people in here, I know there were in the, the previous services that that don't know the Father's voice as, as a loving Father. God's voice is a loving Father. But Jesus tells us in John 6, 40, for the longing of my Father is that everyone who embraces his Son, who embraces Jesus and believes in him will experience eternal life and I will raise them up in the last day. It's the Father's desire that we all know his voice and hear him speak love over us. So if there's anybody that's here today, anybody that's online that doesn't know the loving Father, that doesn't hear his voice, that, that hasn't determined in their heart that they want to follow Jesus and his instruction and his way to live, I want to invite you to make that happen today. And, and I'm going to do that by maybe making you uncomfortable, get outside of your comfort zone. And it might even make the, the church a little uncomfortable as well. But um, I'm going to ask you that, that as I count to three, that if that's you and you want to know the Father's voice in that way, that you'll get up out of your seat and you'll come down here to the front. Our ministry team will meet with you, we'll pray with you, and we'll see that that relationship is established. So across the room from front to back, left to right, and online, if, if you're there, you can just give us a wave. But step out of your seat, come forward. One, two, three. Is there anyone? Praise God. Are you pointing, Vance? Do we have anybody? Are you coming? Look at this. All right. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Whew. You know, that took courage. Where, where there was a kitty cat, this is a lion. This is a lion right now. Everybody stretch your hand toward Michael. Father God, we thank you for Michael. We thank you for his boldness. We thank you that today he stands before man 
so that you will acknowledge him before the Father. And right now, I speak a new identity, an identity as a child of Almighty God and a joint heir with Christ. And that you're, you get to live with Jesus, you'll be raised up for eternity with him. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, this day just keeps getting better and better. Um, it's really been an honor to be up here today. It, it was This was me out of my comfort zone. And um, man, I am so blessed. I, I do not regret saying yes. And I just want to encourage you guys, you know, say yes to, to the Father when he takes and he gives you opportunities to get outside of your comfort zone and grow for his kingdom. Thank you.